I would look for a school that has a lot of kinesthetic visual auditory blending instructors that know how to do that to cater to every style of learner. I, I personally barely passed high school because my teachers didn't teach the way my brain processes information. And now I'm teaching neurologists and doctors and osteopaths and physical therapists in a way that excites them, in a way that drives them to passionately learn how to best serve their patients. Hello, my name is Jeff Large, and you are listening to Choosing a Massage School. This is a podcast series where I talk with world-renowned instructors about what you need to know when deciding on the right massage therapy school. That's James Soslowski, an author and international lecturer on integrated manual therapy in orthopedic massage. His career path has taken him around the world, literally, from New Zealand to Australia to Indonesia, working with gold medal Olympians and professional sports teams like the New York Yankees. However, it's his unique understanding of how these healing modalities and professions work together that allow him to teach and serve in such a powerful way. So from 1993 to 97, I was the chair of the National Sports Massage for the AMTA National. So if you were nationally certified in sports massage, I oversaw that examination. That opened doors for me with like working the uh, teaching at the Olympic Training Center in Australia and so on. So I started out in the field of sports massage, working with collegiate professional Olympic athletes. That was in the mid-early 90s. And then in the 2000, I really started to want a bigger audience. So I changed it to orthopedic massage, which is looking at musculoskeletal conditions. And then as I started to get chiropractors, PTs, and osteopaths asked me to come out to their conferences, I changed and rebranded, of course, pivoted and rebranded to what's now called integrated manual therapy. So integrated manual therapy is really blending multiple, multiple, multiple disciplines for optimizing patient outcomes for anybody that does manual therapy, whether that be a chiropractor, PT, osteopath, athletic trainer. So now my audience is much more global and much more diversified because the word sports massage made people think, well, that's just for athletes, but it really was for everybody. Mm -hmm. The word orthopedic massage was confusing because people are thinking orthopedic surgery, orthopedic conditions, which we do rehab in our seminars. I've had a hip replacement rehabbed quite well myself. So the transition of my career has been from sports to orthopedics to now what I really wanted to do across the world is bring together everybody that does manual therapy so that there's no turf wars between what the athletic trainer does, what the physical therapist does, what the osteopath does, what the chiropractor does. So we're all working together in the best interest of patient outcome now. When James recognized this tension between the professions, he saw an opportunity for collaboration. He set out on a journey to see if he could provide the missing links to help each specialty put the body into balance. So back in the 90s, when you would go to a chiropractor, they would kind of have their turf. So they focused on alignment of bones, right? Adjustments and alignment of bones. Then when you take structural integration, it's like, okay, the muscle relationships to the joint problems. And then I studied a lot of neurology. Um, I was a paramedic firefighter for 20 years and I was pre-med. So I studied a lot of anatomy, physiology, pathology, neurology. And I thought we need to sort out whether musculoskeletal problem is a bone problem, a ligament problem, a nerve problem, a muscle problem, which muscles are tight, which muscles are weak. And when we put the body in the balance, how we create that innate wisdom of the body's ability to heal itself through bringing the body back into structural balance. So there was too many links missing. The chiropractor would do one thing and they might not give whole care retraining exercises, which is why I also became a certified personal trainer for the National Academy of Sports Medicine, because I wanted to be able to not only do 
balanced therapy. But I wanted to teach you as my client what to stretch that's tight, what to strengthen that's weak, how to keep your posture better, and how to live in a pain-free environment. So it's been a really thousands of hours of training. It's really been multiple transitions, just like in 220 when we had to pivot for online classes. All 13 of my classes are online now with CUs and all that kind of things. So I've learned really to diversify and to pivot and to draw a bigger market because honestly, when I teach 200 chiropractors, they're blown away what we do with the soft tissue of a frozen shoulder. They're, they're blown away with what we're doing to the scars on nerves. And it's taking it beyond what they're doing to joint rebalancing in chiropractic medicine. So when I teach their conferences, I also study with them. So if I'm doing an osteopathic conference in Europe, I'm taking workshops at the osteopathic conference in Europe. So really, I still have to call this massage therapy, but it's really kind of like massage therapy on steroids because we're looking at joint function, ligament function, nerve function, and muscle balance. I'm always taking classes. Like I had a hip replacement, so I studied lymphatic drainage so we could get the fluid out and in the blood flow in and speed up healing. So over 30 years, I've studied with some of the best masters in the world of manual therapy throughout the planet. And then I bring it back and I make it very user-friendly for massage therapists to understand how to create that balance. Mm -hmm. No, I love it. I mean, that's such a, like I said, such a wonderful background to bring to the table of this conversation. So let's, let's start really preliminary based on against everything you just said. I'm an individual who is desiring to be an excellent therapist who wants to get into massage therapy, what do I even need to be thinking about? Like, where do I begin? What are my my baselines? It's a good question because my daughter, who is now 28, asked me that same question two years ago. What do I want to do? How do I find the right school? How do I know what I said? First of all, what's in your heart? And she goes, I want to work with babies and I want to work with animals. I said, so we'll get you through a good school. And we'll, we'll get you the best teachers on pediatric massage and we'll get to the best teacher, which was, was Tina Allen, was one of the world most renowned educators in pediatric massage. So I said, take her class. And then she wanted to work with dogs. So we found someone that did canine massage. She wants to do sound therapy for the dogs. She wants to walk the dogs and make them feel loved. And so I, I, first of all, I tell people, what's in your heart? Do you want to do spa massage? Do you want to work in a hospital? Do you want to work with a professional sports team? You know, I wanted to work with professional sports teams when I got in. I wanted to do the Olympics. I wanted to work with Major League Baseball. And I did all of that. But unless you have a goal, you're kind of going with the flow of the industry. And, you know, since this is with East West, I think there's some are some elite colleges, some elite schools out there. So getting a good foundation, I was blessed to go to a school in Suncoast in Florida where people, world-renowned educators like Paul St. John, Aaron Mattis, some of the top educators in the world, Benny Vaughn, Michael McGillicuddy, these were leaders of our profession. They were my my instructors. So imagine the foundation of my career being built on the elitist of our profession. And as I travel around the world, there are some schools that don't prepare the students from business perspective, from emotional energetics perspective, how to ground themselves. I think that one of the reasons I like going and, and working with Edie is that I just think there's a there's a beautiful energy when you walk in the institute. There's a, there's a nice big open spaces. There's good communication amongst the staff. They're all friendly. I sense people's energy really, really intense. So if someone's coming in a room with not so good energy, I'll pick that up when I interview, when I go into a school and get, walk into the room. I'll pick up the friendliness and the, the care. You know, I love that when owners interact with their students, a lot of school owners don't interact with their students. They're just business people. So, so I think look for somebody for my daughter we found a school because she's got autistic, autistic and dyslexic. So we found a school that had a teacher that could relate on how to teach the way their brain processes information. 
Mm-hmm. So that's what I looked for when I looked for something for her is who will teach in the way that her brain processes information. And because of Alex, I'm a greater teacher because I combine kinesthetic, visual, and auditory, focusing on not the auditory, but the visual kinesthetic learning styles that most people whose brain processes information different need a specific type of education. But once you've done the work to ask what's in your heart, you visited the schools and the instructors to see if they fit your unique learning style, you see what kind of energy and environment it's like at those institutions, it's time to dig deeper. So what are you passionate about? Does the institution you're considering have instructors who inspire you? And do the hours of training include things like immersive, hands-on experience? These are the things you should be considering. And so what I would do, again, say, again, it goes back to what your passion is. Like, what do you want to do? What, what would excite you every morning? I get excited every morning that I get up to do what I do because I love what I do. So before you even go to the school, you've got to have an idea, what do I want to do in this profession? Because too many people are going to school and two years out, they're getting out of the profession because they didn't design a passionate life that surrounds what would make them excited to get up in the morning to do. When people set goals of what is it that I would like to get up in the morning and to do, I think it helps them choose the school that will prepare them for that. And and on the line of the educators, I think that people that teach at school should have some experience. Some schools are letting graduates that are at a school teach those courses. I don't know that that's a wise choice because they don't have worldly experience. They don't have clinical experience. They don't have thousands of hours under their hands of feeling tissue abnormalities and so on and so forth. So I think if I was to choose a school, I would probably say, first of all, do they cater to the foundation of where I want my career to go? And what is the experience? Like when I go to Canada, the hours are 2,500 hours. That does not make them the best trained therapist because the quality of those hours might not be as superior as a 500-hour course. So the quality of the education is based on the quality of this instructor. And the key to that is can the instructor teach all different types of mind processing? Can they brilliantly combine visual kinesthetic and auditory learning skills so that those, because I hear students all the time to go, thank you for making me feel smarter because of whatever. And usually it's the autistic dyslexic, like my daughter, who will say, thanks for letting me feel smart enough. Like I can do this. And some teachers are teaching above the level of comprehension. I, I teach really high level information, neurology, pathology, kinesiology, but I teach it at a very basic concept of understanding that makes sure you feel it, you do it, you see it, you see images inside of the human body. So I think at a school level, I love to see that, you know, where, you, where you're representing with Till Luca there, who's a great teacher. There's so many great people you're interviewing, and they're great teachers because they prevent, present their information to a user-friendly concept of learning and comprehension. Another layer of discerning if a school is a good fit for your learning style and goals is to see what other avenues and specialties that school offers beyond just a basic massage therapy foundation. I like schools personally. Like I I teach everything from four-year colleges of of education to institutes that have master's, PhD. I personally like schools that cater to not only just a good foundation of massage, but introduce them to the different disciplines and different paths. Having gone to pre-med, you know, and taking four years of college after being a paramedic firefighter for 20 years, 80% of what I learned in my pre-med studies were not pertinent to what I do today. So 80% of those classes were, were sure, the anatomy, physiology, neurology was good. But when we got into some of the geography or some of the 
non-science related classes, probably 80% of what I took in college didn't pertain to what I want to learn now. So I would rather take a good massage focus institute training and then specialize. Because when you specialize, you can actually tie into, you can tie into what you want to learn, whether that be orthopedics, whether that would, will be pediatrics or whether that will be energy work or whatever you want to specialize in. I think I like a school that has a good massage therapy foundation with lots of channels of these are the specialties. You might want to sample these and see if that's what you're passionate about rather than a four-year degree or a six-year degree where at least 50% of those classes would be irrelevant to, to the body work that you do. Sure, it would be good to see sociology, but I travel the world, so I learned sociology through my job. So, so some of those classes were not pertinent to my goals. I think that's really interesting. And I think you're able to speak to it well because you've had so much different kinds of ed education. Do you have any other thoughts in terms of what is most beneficial in the beginning versus what is most beneficial later as you go throughout your career? Two things. I think get in touch with yourself, first of all, and find some self-confidence, some self-love. But I think also be open to all of the trainings that you see. Like when I first got in the industry, the energy stuff wasn't my favorite work. However, then after going through cancer and going through other things, learning how to find positive energy, learning how to be in nature, learning how to ground yourself. So I think go into the school with an open mind. You're, there's going to be so many changes in that school. There's going to be changes in your life, in your emotions, in your energy, in your self-worth. There's going to be changes in how you interact with your family. So go in there with an open mind and then just, but I, I'm a big person on goal. I was, until I met Tony Robbins, the motivational guy, and he was a client of mine, I was kind of dabbling in this. I wasn't, I was doing little workshops here and there, and I was doing it part-time. And then once I set some really powerful goals through to working with and training with Tony Robbins, I learned that anybody can have a passionate life. I mean, what's the difference between an entry-level student and someone who's a master is every person that gets on that table basically gets the VIP treatment. So every word you say, everything you do, everything that you interact from the moment they walk in, what do they see in your lobby to how you walk them into your room to how you touch them, you're making them feel like a celebrity. So as you learn that through the school process, I think it's important to get rid of some old bad habits and to learn how to interact in a uh, non-ego, I mentioned ego because when I first got in the career, I, I feel like I had a big ego, which means I was really insecure and didn't know a lot. And the more that I know, the more I realize I, I didn't know back then. So I think come with a place of kind heart, humility, openness, and openness to grow. I was just in the mountains in Colorado and, and just doing some healing energy work and just being out in nature and healing. It does nothing to do with the structural body work I do, but it, in a way it does because then I bring good energy in my own heart and my own touch to feeling rejuvenated in this profession. So I think we need to be open to all disciplines and all modalities and all specialties. And we, you're going to find out when you become a student that things are going to change. Things are going to change. There's, there's such a bonding, loving, family, hugging connection that people, that's what drives me, actually. That's why now that I'm not doing classes with 180 people due to COVID, I miss the hugs and the laughter and the friendships and the dinners and the, the social interactions in the other countries. I miss that more than probably teaching, but that's part of this profession. It's the global family of love and compassion and connection to thousands of people for me throughout the world.
James says that this network of professionals, friends, and family with the positive energy was built on the foundation of choosing the right school of massage therapy. Look specifically at the staff of the institution you're considering and the kind of energy that they have in their classrooms when you visit their campus. These are important indicators of the environment and will help reveal if you're going to thrive. I'm considering the energy and the kindness of the teachers, the instructors, the staff. I'm looking at some schools I mentioned earlier that you don't even meet the owners because they're business people. They don't want nothing to do with the students. They want the business mind. But for me, if I owned a school, I would want to interact. I would want to show up. I want to want, if you go to a fancy restaurant and the manager or the owner comes and says hi and makes you feel like family and welcome, you have a good experience. So for me, I want that same experience. When I walk into that school, I want a friendly face when, when I, that greets me at the door. I want maybe if I'm lucky, I get to know the owner of the school like I have in Portland and, and maybe there's this this friendliness, this energy within their staff. I know that there's some airlines, they train everybody positive, 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 positive. Well, I'd rather be at that school where I'm being lifted and motivated and feeling on the same level as the owner or the instructors. And I'd rather go to that school where I feel that kindness, that energy, that, that, that cheerleading effect of lifting you up, you can do this kind of thing. So I kind of look for that when I walk into any place that I go. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. And and so let's maybe talk about some of the practical things. You mentioned hours, and I think you have such a, a wonderful view too, because you've seen it across the world. What should I expect in terms of like base level of hours? And then also, how should I expect to spend those hours to like use them well? I think the basics in the United States is between 500 and 1,000 hours. There's a big variable between 500 and 1,000. In Canada, it's 2,500. In Ireland, it's like 300, but yet I've had some of my best massages in Ireland because those 300 hours were spent with veteran educators that gave them quality biomechanics, body mechanics, the power of touch, the way they touch people. So sometimes I've had a better massage in a 300-hour trained therapist than I have in a 2,500-hour therapist because as you in your in your question, you said, how do we spend those hours? If you're spending too many hours online or too many hours watching videos and not enough actually doing touch, feeling touch, interacting, I don't think the quality of those hours make you the best trained therapist. So some schools have such big numbers that that the student doesn't get much interaction and they end up watching videos and they end up doing online courses. I personally won't certify anybody in my work online, even though it's a tough time to do it live because what we do at a advanced level is very, has to be portrayed in a kinesthetic visual auditory learning style. And so the auditory, you and I talking, is great for motivation. It's great to get information out there, but for you and I learning how to do really great massage, I could teach you right now talking to you how to get 100% of the inbox. But could you do what's in that inbox on that table when that patient rise? What is your attitude when you, do those techniques you learned in, in that 100% written exam. Some people that I've trained are, because they're so visual and so kinesthetic, I think that the quality of education has to mix a lot of that together. And I do it all in one environment. Like if you're in my class, you're seeing anatomy, physiology, neurology on one screen, you're seeing what I'm doing with my hands on another screen, I'm walking around the table and you're feeling the experience. And then you get to do that again. You get to receive the work and do the work. And I think people learn better when they have all of those those types of learning styles, I think. So I would look for a school that has a lot of kinesthetic visual auditory blending 
instructors that know how to do that to cater to every style of learner. I, I personally barely passed high school because my teachers didn't teach the way my brain processes information. And now I'm teaching neurologists and doctors and osteopaths and physical therapists in a way that excites them, in a way that drives them to passionately learn how to best serve their patients. So, so I would look for that in a school environment. And I don't see that in a lot of the schools right now throughout the, the United States. I would rather have a small number of great teachers than a large number of mediocre teachers. The people who make up the institution and their credentials are important building blocks for success. However, don't underestimate the value of a school that also equips you from a business perspective. James points to this as something to look for specifically in the training and the curriculum the school provides. I would look at the curriculum and see what am I going to learn? What's, what, if you build a house and you don't have a good foundation, it's really hard to grow into the advanced levels of that poor foundation. So when I picked my school, I thought the world leaders that were in the national magazine were actually some of the teachers at that school. I thought, my God, I get to learn with the masters from the beginning of my education, which really set my career off in leaps and bounds in a good way. As I travel the world, and I want to say this very politically correct, but there are a lot of schools who are, are preparing the students to fail because of the course curriculum that's missing certain objectives that they need and the quality of the education. So there's, what makes me sad is there's thousands of therapists. They go through the school, they go through the training, and then a year down the road, they're no longer doing massage because they weren't prepared from a business perspective. They weren't prepared from a goal. Even if I was teaching a grade school, high school, I would teach children to set goals. What do you want to do with your life? Well, if money wasn't an option, what would you do with your life? And how would you how would you get there? All right, let's let's go. Let's build off that. I wouldn't do so much. Okay, the accounting, the business, the marketing—that's important. But I think the most important thing is to direct that student to what they're going to be happy to do. Because I've worked a lot of jobs I wasn't happy doing mm -hmm. before I got into massage. I loved my paramedic firefighting job, but but a lot of jobs, janitor things, different things that weren't fun, because I didn't set goals. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I think in the school curriculum. I would want to look at what are they covering? Are they covering enough to prepare me for the for the real world? And will the students work with me on those those areas that I'm weak at? Mm -hmm. so. Let's flush maybe two of those ideas out. The first one, how do you set a good goal as a massage therapist? For me, I found great mentors when I was in massage school. So I would see a, a person whose name I'll mention, Benny Vaughn is one of the top sports massage guys in the world. He's got a state-of-the-art clinic 20 minutes from where I live here now. He charges, I think, roughly $180 an hour. He's booked 40 clients a week, months in advance. And he's been my mentor since I was a student because he worked with all of the Olympic athletes. He, he worked the United States track and field team. When I met him, I said, Benny, I want to be like you when I grow up, when I get in this. And, and he mentored me. And so I would encourage students even when they're – and I was a student. And I said, someday I want to be an elite sports therapist. I was a brand-new student. And so I would say even while you're preparing for school or getting into school or in school, find some mentors. You'd be surprised if you ask people that are world renowned if they would mentor you and they'll say, yeah, just come to my clinic and watch me work or, or come out to the sporting event and watch me work with these Olympic athletes and professional athletes. So I would say in setting the goals, the biggest transition in my career was finding great mentors who I was afraid to ask, but once I asked, they're like, yeah, you just come in my clinic or come and watch me work on these track and field athletes or, you know, because you're enthusiastic and you want to learn. So even my daughter, I, I asked the, Tina Allen, who's world-renowned in pediatric says, would you help my daughter learn because her brain processes information? And she said, Jim, yes, that would be great. I'll work with her one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, you know, so we find people with a good heart that 
are determined to get you through what it's going to take to reach your goals. And setting goals is important, but manifesting those goals is even more important. So many people set lots of goals, but they don't take those first, second, third little steps. And so when we had to pivot to 13 online courses last March, when everything shut down our 45 seminars a year across the globe, we had to set goals. How are we going to do it? We got to get CEUs. We got to do this. So I call leaders in the industry. I called Whitney Lowe because he's been doing online for 20 some years. I called people that are doing Zoom. I didn't even know what Zoom was last March, but I had to pivot pretty fast or, or sync without, you know, 45 seminars in 2020 were shut down. And many of those were conferences with 130, 180 people just in my class. So I would encourage students to Go. There's going to be times when you have to diversify. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be challenges. But as long as you keep focused on that goal, what do I want to be in a year, two years, three years, four years, five years? You know, I wanted to be the keynote speaker in Australia at their national conference. I had to write that down as a goal, but then I had to make connections to make the connection in Australia happen. And I had to make connections to do keynote motivational slides in my smaller workshops and you know, I think the preparation to succeed is as important as the goals. The goals, too many people set goals and they don't achieve them because they don't have a plan and they don't have steps. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then that leads to the second thing is you mentioned you often see just different schools not properly preparing the students. What should I expect from the quote unquote foundational education? I would expect that they're doing more than just trying to get a high score on the envelopes with all their students. I would expect that they're actually motivating those students, inspiring those students. Many of those students come into massage school broken into their relationships or things that are going on in their lives. I would expect that school would nurture those people to heal inside so that they can be better people. I would expect that they would have a, a career counselor they could talk to. I would expect that they would have someone that I could talk to from going through a difficult time in life because I don't want to bring that energy to the classroom. I don't want to be disrupting the classroom. I would expect that they would help me look at specialties. Like I, I know that a number of schools do that. I know that East West is renowned for them having branches and diversifications and open doors and I guess my expectations are higher now since I've been through a lot of life journeys. I'm 64 and I've been through a lot of different things. So my, if I had a school, I would want that student to be able to, when they're struggling, to have someone to go to. Mm -hmm. Maybe one more just sort of practical. How much do some of the other things, say like available technology or resources in terms of the diversity in books, how, do, how does that play into it? I think that's a brilliant question because a lot of uh, books are going digital because when I wrote a clinical massage book with Pearson Publishing in 2012, by 2018, a lot of that work was either outdated or changed by research. Or so I think a lot of books are going digital. And one of the formats I really loved, it was at uh, Mackamie College in Calgary, Canada. Everything is on your iPad. Every one of your books on your iPad is all digital. In fact, what I loved on their iPads was they had this anatomy app where you could peel the muscles, peel them off, look at the nerves, look at the blood vessels, you could dissect the body. That's given to you on an iPad when you sign up for the school. That impressed me because for me, knowing anatomy, physiology, neurology, pathology is key to doing advanced work. If I can learn that and make it fun to learn, you know, when I got my daughter an app, it was fun to learn. But when she was doing it from a textbook, it wasn't as much fun to learn this stuff. So I think I like the iPad idea. So all your books are on there. You can outline them. You can highlight them. You can move the apps. You can look through the dissections. 
And that was a really good branding in uh, Mackinac College in Canada, Edmonton and Calgary. And I was really impressed with that because the iPads, you got that. As soon as you signed up, here's your, here's your iPad. It's got all your books on it. It's got all your anatomy, physiology, neurology. It's got all this interactive stuff on there. It's like a game. And you know, with the generation now, they like to play games on their iPhones and their computers. So all of a sudden it gives them that same passionate interaction on their iPad, but it's a learning opportunity. James highlights that if you are struggling to make a decision between two great schools, go back to the drawing board and compare the teachers. The teachers are often responsible for setting the tone, the culture, the curriculum, and it's their unique backgrounds that will dictate the quality of your education. I think the the quality of the teachers would be a big factor. One thing I like that they're doing at East West is that they're bringing in people like myself. So when I see, there was many years ago when I chose a school, I almost went to Hartwood Institute because back then they were bringing in the who's who for weekend seminars, which means through association, they were looking at the elitist of the elitist of the elitist. So so Hartwood Institute many, many years ago had Benny Vaughn, who was my first mentor, had some of the real renowned uh, chiropractors there. And so not only do I look at the quality of the curriculum, I look at what kind of outside education are they making available at that school that can help me influence where my path might be driven. So I think I would look beyond the quality of the current educators within the curriculum. And I would want to know if someone teaching me sports massage, what's their background? Have they worked with college professional Olympic athletes? How many years have they worked? I would want to know because most people want to go to, if you're working with the NFL and you're working with all these national sports teams, you must be a pretty decent therapist. And I think people want to see that that growth potential even while they're going to school. So so when the teachers go, hey, we've got this weekend workshop, we got these great people coming in, you might want to sample their class, even if you go in and just sit in for a couple hours and check it out. I kind of like that colleges like East West are doing that, that they're launching world-renowned leaders in conjunction with their curriculum to give you a good foundation and give you a good opportunity to branch out into the real world with the elitist of the elite. Mm -hmm. Maybe some a couple focused on your own personal journey. Now, in hindsight, are there things that you wish you knew in the beginning that you've kind of gone through? Like, What are some of those important factors that would have probably helped you out if you knew them when you started? Number one, I, w- I want to give this w- words of wisdom to people. I grew up on a little farm in North Dakota, so I was kind of insecure when I grew up. Then when I became what I would call renowned in in the national magazines and on the circuit and really renowned in our profession, I had a little bit of a, I would say a lot of an ego, which for me is insecurity. For me, it's lack of knowledge. And then after training thousands of hours, the humility that I bring to not even just to the energy of the students, but the people around me. I would say be humble. Like when I worked with the New York Yankees, the the trainer for athletic trainer for 25 years, because I don't know if we like massage therapists, they walk in here like they know it all. So I would say, first of all, realize no matter how much you know, someone knows more. Second of all, people love a kind heart and humility. They don't love someone who's, I know all that, I'm this, I'm all that. I'm, just be cool and be humble and be kind. And so it took me a few years to get through that transition and I regret the ego stages of my life. But now that I have this spiritually connected life and this good family life and this hum- humility that drives me to be more grateful and more successful, I think that's something I would do different. I would also choose 
take more advanced trainings sooner than I did. I waited a lot of years and I just got kind of got bored doing the same old sports massage stuff after a while. And then I studied with Whitney Lowe and he challenged me to learn orthopedic assessment and clinical reasoning. And then, you know, went with Eric Dalton and all these world leaders like Kerry D'Ambrosia, lymphatic drainage, and don't specialize in just one discipline. And early on, learn your anatomy physiology well, because if you're going to do advanced work, it's going to be very important. So when I was a paramedic going to massage school, I would sleep through some of my anatomy classes. I kind of regret that. I kind of regret that I didn't learn it well in my foundation. But I think the biggest thing that helps me now is I'm kind, like I'm going to Baton Rouge this weekend and, and we laugh and we joke and we hug and we have fun. And even though it's a small group and we have to social distance, there's that friendship that comes from love and humility that is unsurpassed and people will remember you for a long time. For James, true humility was learned when he married his wife. My moment was marrying my wife. My wife's father used to manage the Philadelphia Phillies, Chicago Cubs, Texas Rangers. He was the most humble man I've ever met in my life. I didn't even know that he managed professional baseball until I dated my wife for over a year. And I was kind of like, I'm all that teacher kind of thing. And she just said, I wish someday you'd be more like my father, be humble and greatly successful. And being Italian, she can be uh, pretty spunky. So I'm grateful to my wife for her pointing out the importance of humility and spiritual connection. I'm really grateful for the, that opportunity through marriage. Too. So I wasn't an easy change. It was a it was an iron sharp and iron kind of change, which blessed me in the end. But I think somebody will show up in your life and they'll just express that, you know, I just love the person that's kind and humble and yet confident and successful. You can have both. There's a fine line between confidence and ego. You know, ego is like you think you're all that. And confidence is like you're going to portray amazing information, but you're not going to brag on it. So I think my wife was pivotal in changing my, over a number of years, changing the importance of humility. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's a really good one. So all of these different relationships that you had, for the students that you've interacted with and the massage therapists that you know, are there particular qualities or traits that are common in some of the expert ones or the ones that you respect the most? An example would be, again, I'm going to mention Benny Vaughn. He's got this world-renowned clinic, uh, multi-million dollar state-of-the-art facility in Fort Worth, Texas. When you walk in his door, you see his work with Olympic athletes. You see his very neat workstation, office headquarters. You see these uh, treatment rooms that are state-of-the-art, the way the glasses, the wood is, everything. And when he greets you, he greets you like you are a celebrity. And yet he's really truly a celebrity. I mean, but he greets you like, hey, I'm glad you're in my clinic. We're going to have an awesome treatment today. You have the VIP treatment the whole time, not 20%, which is why he can make $180 an hour and be booked six months in advance. And Because he said, always give them the VIP from every word that we say, from the moment you walk in that door, to the lighting of that room, to the sound of that room, to cheerleader picking them up. We're going to get you out of pain. We're going to get you winning that gold medal. We're going to get you. So that kind of energy versus, okay, you've had a bad day. Um, I was up too late last night. I didn't sleep well. You walk in there all like bummed. I, I, I really don't want to. You're not g- giving me the VIP treatment. So as a teacher, I remember I was teaching in Maui and my brother had passed the night before I started my class. I walked in there like nothing happened. I was upbeat, pep. You know, I didn't bring 
the negativity of what had happened to the classroom environment. And I see some teachers do that. They're even having a bad day and they're kind of talking about their problems and or a therapist in the treatment room. I don't want to hear your problems when I'm, when I'm on your table to tell you the truth. My heart goes out to you and I can pray for you what you're going through. But right now, that one hour is my time and I want to be treated like a VIP. I want you to be catering to me that whole hour. And I think that's the way I would present it as a teacher, as an educator, as a therapist, is that people are coming for us to help them heal. They they want uplifting words, especially now. I mean, I go anywhere and I'll go into Walgreens or Walmart and say, you did a great job at the field. You have a blessed day. You're, you're awesome. Good job. Because the positive and dopamine, that positive endorphin production from kind words is unbelievable. So when I, as a student, I would say, bring positive energy, prepare yourself, ground yourself, lift those patients up, make them want to come back. You know, so whether that be the student who didn't think they could learn or that be the, the client who just needed to have a good ear to listen to what they're going through because they wanted to share that, even though they were not counselors, just cater to what that person's needs are. Positive energy can be tough to define, but I think James captures its essence well throughout this episode. It's what you might call the quote-unquote key to success in your journey to achieving your goals. I would say keep reevaluating your goals. I would say, you know, it's like I, I went from wanting to teach at local conferences in my state of Florida where I used to live to wanting to teach all over the world and set, set goals that are sometimes unrealistic. You know, I, unrealistic is when I'm in Australia and Bali and Fiji, Sometimes I pinch myself because those goals were set 20 years ago. They manifested 10 years ago. 20 years ago, they seemed unrealistic. So set unrealistic goals and then just find ways to shoot towards the possibilities of achieving those. And I would say the other thing is I go out in nature every single day to ground myself. I take my dog in my nature center in my backyard. And the healing of nature, when you're going through a lot of studies, when you're going through a lot of clients, you're going through you know, the challenges that are presented in 2020, the grounding of nature heals your body. I mean, when my daughter dog walks, she comes back all excited because the, the brain produces different chemicals when you get out of nature and you start moving and you start processing information. So, so make sure you take time to heal too. Make sure you don't get so overworked and so overloaded that you break down because you can't serve people if you're broken down inside, in your mind, in your heart, in your physical body. So take care of yourself in this profession. Absolutely. Where is the best place to go if our listener wants to learn more about you and what you're up to? My website has detailed information and it's www.orthomassage.net. So www.orthomassage.net. Or they can just Google jameswoslowski.com and it'll take you to that same site. If you know someone who's considering a career in massage therapy, please share the show with them. Or if you are considering a career in massage therapy, Make sure you're following us on your podcast app of choice. You do not want to miss future episodes. Choosing a Massage School is sponsored by East West College of the Healing Arts in Portland, Oregon. East West College has been successfully educating massage therapists in a safe, supportive, and professional environment since 1972. To learn more about East West, visit eastwestcollege.edu. The show is created in partnership with Come Alive Creative. The show is produced by Maggie Fisher and edited by Isidore Nieves. I'm your host, Jeff Large. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.